And we've tracked him down, Heels, one of our greatest sporting experts, uh, uh, SEN Super Bowl exporter and export, I meant, mm. too, Ben Graham. Um, in the wake of the big game yesterday, it was 38-35. It was a hell of a finish, controversy. Uh, it had everything. Rihanna, I see, is trending on social media and, and all that sort of stuff. But, Ben Graham, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. G'day, Pat Heels. Yes, how are you? Oh, he definitely lived up to the billing, both from a game perspective and the halftime entertainment. Rihanna was unbelievable, considering she hasn't performed live for four years. She was pregnant, hasn't released a song for seven years, but she absolutely rocked the stadium. Hopefully people at home enjoyed her performance, but those floating stages were just unbelievable. It was just spectacular. But the game itself... Well, that was just as close and as exciting as we expected with the two best teams going at it. So now, the first thing, do we know how they did the stages for Rihanna? Well, we had binoculars in the booth and we thought that they might have been driven by drones. But because they were so level when they flew in as they were setting up the stadium for the halftime performance, there were wires, but only on one side. So they were very, very, it was very well done. And it was a beautiful time of the evening. It was just on dusk. So mm. the fireworks had maximum impact. But the way they moved those stages around, it was just mind-blowing, really, from a visual perspective. But the music was fantastic. She rocked all the hits. So young and old, I'm sure, really enjoyed it. Yeah, mate. Very, very good, that bit. Now, was it holding or over-refereeing? Oh, no, that was holding. There's another yeah. angle that I don't know why they're not showing on the vision, but he definitely tugged his jersey, and as soon as the referee sees that, he'll throw the flag. Yeah. And like any sport, you know what it's like, Heels, they'll always talk about the last decision that cost the game yes. or won a game for someone, but there were a few really close calls. So I thought the referees did a really good job. Carl Sheffers had been criticised over the playoffs this year already, but no, I thought they did a good job overall. They didn't take centre stage like some referees like to, but it was... Look, when um, going into this game, the Eagles were favourites, but everyone expected a more of a low-scoring game with the Eagles' dominant defence and Patrick Mahomes' perceived injury. So it really... The f script was flipped in terms of... Patrick Mahomes had his lowest passing yards for the season uh, Jalen Hurts had a magnificent game, if the Eagles had won that he would have been MVP hand down but unfortunately a couple of errors a fumble and they allowed a big kickoff uh, punt return to set the Chiefs up for an easy couple of touchdowns but no, it, it definitely lived up to the billing Hey, for the uninitiated like me, who, who I do love watching Super Bowl, I'll watch a bit of it it just seemed to me that Philly didn't have a big enough lead at half time for the amount of ball or possession that they had. Oh, you're a smart man, Pat, <laughs> because that's exactly what we said in our half time review. Because all their dominance, they doubled the time of possession, they doubled the play count, they doubled the offensive yards. Like it was only the defensive touchdown for the Chiefs that kept them in the game. They'd missed the field goal earlier, but there's no way 10 points was enough for the Eagles. And funnily enough, the Eagles are one of the worst second half scoring teams. So we knew that going in, and that's.
probably because they get big leads and they just run out the clock and run out the game. But this is the best offense that they've faced. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute superstar. He's now two-time Super Bowl, two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP. He didn't have his best game, but he did throw for three touchdowns. But it was the way Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, was able to construct those plays to move the ball downfield consistently, get into good positions, and ultimately score. The clock management at the end of the game was masterful by Andy Reid to not allow the Eagles and Jalen Hurts to possess the ball in the last three minutes, which enabled them to kick the winning field goal. How was the field goal, by the way, fellas? I haven't even looked at it. Was there any any doubt that he, he was not going to kick it? No, none at all. So okay. basically, once the Eagles used their timeout, Patrick Mahomes just took as much time off the clock as he could, took a knee in the centre of the field. It was only a chip shot field goal. The one that Butker missed earlier in the day was a lot further out. But there was a slight concern, though, because it, there's some criticism around the surface. Yeah. A lot of players did slip. Now, it was on dusk. It was a little bit dewy. I mean, it's the weather in Phoenix this week has been unbelievable. It's been 25 every day, not a cloud in the sky. Today, believe it or not, is 15 and rain. But it was a little slippery. There was some concern that he might have, if he had have slipped, forced it to overtime. I guess the game would have it served it justice if it did go to overtime, but ultimately the Chiefs were just too good by that three-point margin. Yeah. Did either coach did either coach produce any surprises for you, um, new plays or something you hadn't seen before? No, not really. There was the the Chiefs did pull out their their carousel where they sort of yes. run around in a circle and then split out wide. But no, that was a very clean game in terms of no sacks. And when you think the Eagles had eighty sacks for the year, couldn't lay a hand on Patrick Mahomes. Neither could the Chiefs' defence on Jalen Hurts. But no interceptions. It was a really quite clean game. No no trick plays like we've seen before, like the Philly special and, and things like mm. that. But, but no, but it was great that it was a high-scoring game because it kept everybody engaged. Ben, talk to us about the two Aussies. They had their foot on the till as far as a big piece of Australian sporting history is concerned to only have it robbed in that last three or four minutes or so. Jordan Malata and Aaron Sipos. Yes, it's it's such a... I mean, it's a disappointing from, from their perspective because they they were the better team throughout the season on both sides of the ball and special teams, but... Like to to be that close, I know what that feels like. We had the lead yeah. in Super Bowl Forty Three against the Steelers with a minute thirty seven left to have it ripped away by Santonio Holmes touchdown at the end of that game. But to have the third and fourth Australian representing in a Super Bowl was just great to be there to call. But unfortunately, we still have to wait for the first Australian to win a Super Bowl. But I'm sure that'll come sooner rather than later with the number of Aussie guys in college and also in the NFL. But that Jordan Malata story is sensational, the way he's moved across from a rugby background, took the International Pathway Program, worked so hard with his coaches, who was on IR, which is injured reserve and the practice squad, to learn his craft, to get a start, and then to play as the left tackle as a starter and get the big contract and be so pivotal yeah. to the 
Eagles' success this year is a credit to him. Hey, just, yeah, only uh, 25 as well. Yeah, I know. Hey, just reading about it today, I mean, they say, and, and you know, the, the more anonymous that Jordan is, so his name doesn't get mentioned, the better job he has done. Is that right? Well, he's actually got a lot of airtime this week yeah. because of how well the offensive line has done, and Jordan's been a critical part of that. And Super Bowl week gives the opportunity for the world's media to uncover some of these stories like Jordan. So he, from the phone call from the Prime Minister, like the vision of him in The Masked Singer has resurfaced. Yeah. Like it's this whole big story building. And unfortunately, they, they couldn't win. But if, they, if the Eagles were able to pull it off, I'm sure Jordan Malata would be, would be a, a top three story coming out okay. of that yeah, Super definitely. Bowl. But what it's done... What it's done, and a couple of events during the week, is it's, again, raised the awareness of the NFL. It's now one of their top priorities to continue to grow the game internationally, and Australia's right there amongst it. Yeah, right. righto, big boys. Get out and start jogging around. Um, what about both sets of fans, Ben? What have you, what have you heard? How are Philadelphia and Kansas City travelling? Well, going into the stadium, it felt like, the Eagles outnumbered the Chiefs fans five to one, and they right. were so up and about. They'd be walking down the street in droves, and one person would just yell out "E," and everyone else would join in the E A G L E S Eagles chant. The Chiefs fans were pretty quiet until halfway through the third quarter, when they felt like the momentum had shifted. But the Chiefs, at their stadium in Arrowhead, they're one of the loudest sets yeah, right of fans. The Eagles, the city of brotherly love. I think they went nuts in Philadelphia last night. They were tipping cars. They were burning things. Uh, they they didn't take they didn't take the loss very well at all, I don't think, the Eagles fans. Hey, we've got to get to the news, Ben. We really appreciate your time and uh, the whole coverage right the way through the week has been uh, unbelievable uh, to tell the story, particularly with such uh, Australian interest as well. But uh, at the end of the day, the Chiefs uh, champions again. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Heels, for having me on. Ben Graham, You're welcome, Ben. SEN Super Bowl X. Let's quickly get to rugby league. Pete Bedell, is he? Are you on the school run today, Pete? Oh, mate, it's all done, boys. Huh? I'm dusted. Anything to get to make the time slot for you guys. So, <laughs> off so they're in the playground. They're they're done. <laughs> <laughs> now, and what about the running? So you're a marathon man, aren't you? I am, Paddy. Well, I, I try to be made at, at age 47. Uh, the old legs uh, carry me along. But, um, yeah, I've done uh, five marathons, and um, I'm, in, I'm in training for the, the Gold Coast Marathon this year in July. So uh, I'm starting to pound out some uh, some comments in about five months to go. So a bit of training to do. Before you start to taper. I reckon it's a. I reckon the start of the NRL season's a marathon for you guys. How do you choose what we want to read about? Like, there's so many things going on. Let's start with Kevy Walters and his Broncos contract. Yeah, absolutely. Heels. It is. A, it is a marathon. Twenty-seven round season this year, the longest in a long time. Yes, for Kevy, it's it's great news for the Broncos coach. So he is off contract technically at the moment. That the Broncos are in talks with him on not a one-year extension, but a two-year extension, which has raised some eyebrows because people thought it might just be a 12-month extension. But the Broncos are preaching the importance of stability and they think the club's on an upward trajectory under Kevy. I think it's fair to say they are, given 
he took over when they were last. They then went to 14th. Now they were ninth last season, missed the final by just one win. So they're moving in the right direction. And I think the Broncos feel that on, on Kevy's watch, they can make the finals and be a top four contender. So it will be a two-year deal formalised in the next two weeks. Hey, uh, obviously he can coach <laughs> Kevy on Salmon's hat trick for the Indigenous All-Stars. He's obviously getting some good coaching. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a nice little, it was a nice little ironic slap, wasn't it? Yeah, look, oh, that's just, you know, Kevy's probably mix of, you know, jockey like the happy-go-lucky humour and the boy from Ipswich. You know, he just had a little, gave uh, <clears throat> Selwyn a cheeky uppercut. But look, it was probably um, a fair comment from Kevy. I mean, under under Brisbane's watch and his watch, I mean, Selwyn <clears throat> has developed nicely over the last 18 months. So um, he's going to be rolled out this week, guys. He'll be named Selwyn to play against the Cowboys for their final pre-season trial. And mm-hmm. I think... Uh, the podcast blast, look, it was a controversial thing, wasn't it, guys? And I thought it was quite disrespectful to Kevy. He was pretty sad because he is a club legend and he's done a lot for Selwyn. But I think Selwyn would regret it himself. You know, he's fine. he was fined over the incident. They've put it behind them. And now it's up to Selwyn to, to deliver on the field. And he did that in the All-Stars game. Yeah. He's, he's done it in the gym too, hasn't he? Six Ks heavier. Yeah. Well, it's, it's scary, isn't it, Heels? I mean, he's he's... He's charting the same physical development as Latrell Mitchell. I mean, he's filling out and he's got mm-hmm. that beautiful frame already. And to be 105, 106 kilos at age 20, it, it's quite scary just how how physically dominant he can become in the next two to three years. And we saw that on the weekend where he pushed off two or three Maori players and raced 90 metres to score. So good signs ahead for, for the Broncos this season. Now, I know it was a line, but was Benny missing in action in Cairns? Was it a big headline? I mean, I reckon he's done this before over the years. Pete, to tell you the truth, I mean, he, he allocates, you know, his assistant coaches, the coaching duties for the trials. Yeah, look, that's right, Pat. I mean, you've known Wayne a long time, as I have. Look, it's not the crime of the century. We know yeah. that. I, I, I was probably a little bit surprised, Paddy, in terms of the probably the significance of the game yeah. for the Dolphins, yeah, agreed, the new agreed. franchise it was their first NRL opponent because they played the Capras the week before a Queensland Cup team. Mm. So I thought I thought Benny may have showed up and at least given the reins to Christian Wolfie's assistant and just been there sitting there watching the game. But look, I spoke to Wayne yesterday and he, he made a fair point saying they had issues booking flights back from Cairns and they had a 7am scheduled training session on Monday with 12 top liners who didn't play, such as Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich and Felice Kafusi. So Wayne said I wanted to be on the ground for that. So that, that was a fair enough point. And as we know, guys, Wayne traditionally doesn't take charge of the second trial. He will this week in their final pre-season trial. And, you know, now the hysteria will be over and we'll get to the actual season itself and Wayne will be in the hot seat. Hey, just quickly, the TV ratings were enormous for the Dolphins game. Um, what, what was your take on it, and, and what do you think we're going to see from them for the season? Yeah, great, great signs, guys. I mean, I was really heartened by that. I mean, I, I was always an advocate of expansion. I thought Queensland and Brisbane de- desperately needed a second team in, in southeast Queensland or in the wider Brisbane region. So I think it's it's a real tick for Peter Valandis and his vision for another team in Queensland. And of course, guys, there is that shiny new toy factor, isn't there? I mean, mm. the, the Dolphins are the new team, the new kids on the block, the 17th team. We want to see how they perform. It's a, it's a new brand. So there'll be some excitement factor initially. It'll wear off in time, of course. But I think, guys, they'll be 
I think they'll perform better than many people expect. I don't think they'll win the wooden spoon. I think they may be... Look, if they can finish 10th or 11th, I think that's a great first season. I think they'll finish around 12th or 13th, guys. But look, anything avoiding the wooden spoon for me for a new franchise in such a cutthroat competition, I think that would be a positive start for the Dolphins and they can build in the years ahead. Yeah, that's a good call. No social disasters and, and those types of things. It's just a good, healthy club start to the NRL of the Dolphins. Um, and along those lines, uh, what did you make of uh, Ponga's um, press conference yesterday and his, his final admission? Yeah. Well, guys, I, I think it was great evidence that if you're a club and you have a player involved in an off-field incident, you're better off just ripping the band-aid off quickly, yeah. addressing it early. And I just thought the Knights erred a little bit in terms of allowing this to drag on and fester and bubble along. I mean, the incident happened, guys, last year. I yeah. mean, now two weeks before their first game, Pong is finally fronting the media. I mean, this could have all been dealt with back in November or December whenever the incident happened. And you rip the Band-Aid off. You say at the time, sorry, guys, I was sick. It was a mistake. I won't, it won't happen again. And we all move on. But the fact that it dragged on for two or three months, it was probably, it was poor strategic planning by the Knights. And I think they'll probably learn from it. But look, that's just, look, the good thing is we, we take Ponger on his word. He's obviously, he has matured a lot over the last few years. These young guys can make mistakes, but let's just hope it was nothing serious. He says there were no drugs involved. That's a good thing. And, Let's hope now Kalen can produce the goods on the field for the Knights in Queensland this season. Agreed, mate. And as usual, Pete, really appreciate your time. Thank you, mate. We've got a, a big weekend of trials again. Bronx and Cowboys, sunny coast, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Dolphins, Titans, KO Stadium, 6 o'clock Sunday night. And, of course, the World Club Challenge, Panthers and St. Helens. And St. Mm-hmm. Helens have clearly indicated they're out here, they're fair income. Uh, so uh, it's a big, another big weekend. And then, of course, we haven't even had round one yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I'm, cover- I'm covering the Sunny Coast game this week, boys, between the Cowboys and the Bronx. So I might run up there to get my Ks in. Before <laughs> oh, don't cool. see. See, the, the Calais gets tired after going 40 Ks. It needs a bit of a rest, let alone think about you running. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Who's joining us from Melbourne this morning, Hills, after playing Royal Melbourne yesterday for, for Sporting Chance, raising money for cancer charities with Mark Taylor and a few of his mates. But, hey, right at the moment, we've got uh, Queensland's busiest man. Queensland is your place to race this year. Uh, the action continues this week right across the Sunshine State. Visit racingqueensland.com.au. Our nine-time Premier trainer, Tony Gollan, on the line. Uh, as busy as a one-armed wallpaper hanger this morning, Tony, aren't you? <laughs> Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. Now, Chris Nelson's been keeping me informed. You've got Baller, Zoo Style, Skirt the Lawn, Atuno, Hilal, at, at least those trialling this morning. Yeah, an isotope. She's in there as well. So an isotope, yep. There's quite a, yeah, quite a bunch of them out there this morning at the trials, uh, all going different ways and, you know, about ready to kick off and start to shape their autumn preps. You don't just you don't just throw them all in the one race, Tony. You're going in different different fields of horses. <laughs> yeah, well, two of them are getting on a plane tonight and going to Melbourne. Uh, Ball will run the Lightning on Saturday, and Zoo Style will kick off in Oakley Plate Saturday week. So they fly out of Melbourne, uh, Brisbane tonight at midnight, and they'll be tucked away in their in their boxes at Flemington by about four thirty tomorrow morning. Go on, Hills. Ask mm-hmm. Tony about why why Ball is trialling this morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the value of such trials, what, what, what is it that you need to get into them and out of them? 
It's just the fitness. When he came up right to the mark, he's, he's got a pretty long prep ahead of him. We space his runs out quite a lot and always find the value and just having him up nice and fit early. Just I want to make sure we get the two jump outs or trials into him, which we have now once we do this today. Um, it's a quick turnaround from this trial to his race. We've had a lot of success and we get a lot of effectiveness out of doing that. So I uh, don't read anything negative into it. It's, it's only a positive to give him a soft trial this morning. He won't be out there to break the clock. It'll certainly have him right to the mark for the lightning. Uh, but his main aim in Melbourne would be the new market three weeks later. So okay. it's all in preparation to have him spot on for that race in about four weeks' time. So you're up against Nature Strip this Saturday? Yeah, look, we've raced against him in the Champions Sprint at the end of the carnival. We finished mm. right beside him. Clearly, was not his best that day. But, you know, a nice, fresh Nature Strip is... I mean, a pretty daunting task on Saturday, but just like I said there, this is a way for 8,000 metre race. It's not really our our style race, yeah. but it's a beautiful lead-in for, for a Group 1 handicap three weeks later in the new market. That's certainly the race that, that we really want to target with Baller this, this autumn. Hey, of all you these know, ones that you're sending south, is there one that you're really excited about? Yeah, Skirt the Law. Yeah. Absolutely. She's um, such a good filly. She's done everything right for us, and both myself and Ryan and the team here, we we feel she's improved since the Magic Millions. Um, she's going to have to have, and there's no doubt things get a little bit stronger when you hit the Sydney in the autumn. It's the, yeah. it's the best of the best. We saw some nice two-year-olds on the weekend race down there. So, But we do feel she's improved and looking forward to seeing her just tick over at the trials today. She won't sort of do too much. She'll just tick over nicely, and we see her down in, at Randwick for the sweet embrace Saturday week. Oh. Yeah, Paddy's talking about how busy you are now getting this this all together. I, I counted up your runners on the weekend, mate. You had 30 runners from last Friday to Sunday just gone. Is that more or less for you or no. normal? <laughs> no, that must be this this weekend. There's that many nominated, I'd say. Um, <laughs> oh, look, we get a lot of runners, Hills. This depends on the weeks. I mean, some, some weeks are lighter and, and heavier than others. But, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty busy. There's a lot of, lot of active horses here at the stable up and going. There's mm. 40 two trialers today at Dooman. So there's a lot of horses to go through their paces. But no, it's, it's a busy period. We've been in horse sales as well down at English Sales in Sydney. Just got yeah. back from them last night. So it's um, but it's all good fun. It's all we enjoy it. And we're looking forward to hopefully a big autumn. And then it's very quick then to our winter carnival here in Brisbane. So all these horses you see trialling today and getting ready to go south, you're going to see a good, a good deal of these racing here in the winter. Good stuff. Hey, listen, we haven't spoken to you since the, the news came out that you'd approached Robbie Fran to help mentor Ange Jones. I mean, this is—it's a really good, I think, a really, really good idea. Yeah, look, it's in, it was in the, you know, the basic embryo stages when I asked Robbie. He was going in for his surgery when I knew he was retiring, and he, he was um, he was fairly receptive to it, and we're about to sort of get the process started. But I think it's a great idea. I mean, they're, they're professional athletes, these jockeys, and they get very little coaching. And I think they're the only probably the only athletes in Australia for you know the, the high stakes that they work on it with pressure and, and having to make decisions, et cetera, et cetera, on a, on a weekly basis, they get very little coaching. So I think it's, it's an area of our industry that we can get better at. And it'd be pointless to see these ex-jockeys like Robbie Frad that have, have such experience. Mm. That he's been through the, the world's best apprentice academy in South, South Africa. It's renowned. Um, if he couldn't, you know, part some of his knowledge onto these young riders, it'd just be an absolute waste. So I did, um, I did ask him and, I, and I'm very thankful he's going to do that. And I think, That'll help Angela really reach her full potential. Oh, that's it's an amazing thing. I, I can't believe it's not more widespread. So well done, Tony, about that um, initiative. Yeah, she she rode a couple of winners on the weekend. Is there is there any specifics you know that you, you might you know see that Robbie can work on her straight away? Look, I think I think a lot of it 
heels a bit to do with just dealing with the pressures of, of race riding and, and the expectation. There's a lot of expectation when, when they ride some of these horses. And, you know, the the bigger the race is, the greater the expectation. You've got the punter, you've got the owner, the trainer. There's a lot there. It's how they, how they manage yeah. that, you know, how they how they manage that and how, how they flow on from the decisions. If you, you know, it's like if you drop a catch in cricket, you've got to pretty well get behind the stumps again for the next ball, mm. don't you? You haven't got a lot yeah. of time to, to dwell on it. These kids are the same. If they ride a, a, a race they're not quite as happy with, it's 35 minutes. They've got to be out there again doing it again. So it's just, it's just consistency, just making good decisions and, and just continually improving it and being able to, to cope with the pressures of, of what they do. Yeah, yeah, well said, mate. And, and we've spoken about this before, the social media pressures on these young kids, and not just the young ones, all the jockeys. You know, they make uh, one little false move and uh, the punters, because there's money involved, uh, are all over them. So, yeah, I, I reckon it's fantastic. It's a great idea of yours. Hey, um, just very quickly, King Kappa. Yeah, really nice horse. We just backed off him. We've got a sort of a three-run sort of prep sort of mapped out for him in the winter now. Which which you'll see him go in, and I don't know how whether the wind is a little bit early for him yet. He's coming off this restricted off-season racing, but I do feel next summer, summer of uh, twenty three, twenty four, I think you're going to see a really good sprinter here in Queensland. Oh, good stuff. Hey, and the other one I picked up from your website yesterday. This is a really good feel-good story. More important, one of your faves won over a million dollars in prize yeah. money. Is out at a place called yeah. Ingoldsby, I think it is. Yeah, it's awesome. He's, um, I think that's about his fifth trainer, if you include us. I was his fourth trainer when I got him as a, <laughs> as a racing, as a racehorse, and we had so much, so much fun with him. He was the first horse I trained for, for Graham and Linda Huddy at Peachester, and you know they're a very important part of my business now, that's for sure. So he started the ball rolling with our association, and he was a really quirky horse. He used to get himself so worked up at the races when. When Linda mentioned that this this young girl might want to try him as a show horse, we both sort of went, oh, geez, I don't know how he's going to handle that, you know, get a bit of atmosphere at the, the show. You might just go to pieces, start sweating up, and that would be a disaster. But she's done a great job with him. And reading that article, um, when they interviewed the young girl who had who, had, who has him now, it's just like when he was a racehorse. He's a horse. All he wants to do is please you and, and do do what you want. And he's doing exactly that now in, in his afterlife, which is, you know, we get a big thrill out of that. As soon as I read that article, I emailed her straight away to, to the Huddies, and they were just as thrilled. That they, we, all, we all love our horses, and we love to see them go on and do something yeah. else once they leave us. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, more important, one over a million in prize money, but it's now with 14-year-old Claire Frederick out, uh, out, in, the, out in the bush, and uh, more important, has become a champion show horse. So that awesome story, mate, and you've got uh, lots more stories to tell. You've got a stack of them trialling this morning, a lot of the good horses from your stable. We wish you the best of luck, and as usual, mate, you're so, so free with your time with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Tony. Nah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. So hopefully, have, have a good morning ahead of me. Cheers. Yep, that's yeah. right. I hope it's only good, only good news. It's six fifty-two. It's only only forty-two trialing, Paddy. Eh? <laughs> yes, he's going to be busy. Isn't he? Well, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a big staff. He's got a big team. But uh, uh, it's interesting to hear him say, "Skirt the law from the Magic Millions heels is the one," and obviously mm. going to head uh, eventually towards the slipper. Uh, he, he sounds genuinely excited about that. And of course, Baller, Baller up against Nature Strip this weekend, and you know, moving on to the new market. So there's there's lots to look forward to. Hills, uh, we've done it. We've tracked down Jason Anderson in Kansas City. <laughs> Do you think they might be going off uh, now? I'm not sure what time. It, uh, it's probably night time, well and truly over there now. Three, uh, no, three it would be three forty yeah, in, the in the afternoon. afternoon. Yes, okay. sort of in the lead up to yesterday's Super Bowl. Remember, yeah, twenty four hours on. Jason, uh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Give us some sort of indication of the the mood over there. 
Uh, very jovial is the mood <laughs> over here right now. People are uh, people are getting ready for a parade on Wednesday. They are enjoying life right now and um, looking at um, the, even even the future of wondering, you know, what can uh, what can happen in the next few years? Just simply because you know they've got a younger team and they've uh, you know spent a decent amount of money already on the quarterback and decent amount of money on their uh, their their salary cap situation and you've got teams like the Eagles and the Bengals and um the uh, the Chargers that still have to pay their quarterback. So people are pretty excited about what the Chiefs were able to accomplish in a year that a lot of people didn't think they'd be able to do that. I didn't think they would be winning the Super Bowl this year just because of the changes they made last offseason with trading Tyreek Hill and kind of reorganizing a little bit. Mm. It's a great sign that they did get it done. But what we, what did you think of the team's prospects leading into the Super Bowl game? Well, I thought they had a pretty good chance of winning. the The question was if they were going to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes, if they were allowing him to have time, if they weren't giving up sacks. I thought there was a pretty decent chance that they would be able to do that. The best quarterback yeah. the Eagles have gone up against have scored in the 30s this year. And when they don't sack the quarterback at a high enough clip, they typically give up a lot of yards and points. They're pretty dependent on sacks and turnovers. So if the Chiefs could eliminate those, I thought they had a pretty decent chance of scoring. They had no turnovers, no sacks. They scored 38 points. And, and then how do they slow down the Eagles? Well, they really didn't. They had a defensive yeah. score, which, which helped. Um, but Jalen Hurts was just magical last night. He was really good. And uh, Patrick Mahomes was really good as well, but uh, Jalen Hurts was awesome. And there's a couple of plays in a game like that that if they go the other way, we're talking about the Eagles winning and the Chiefs losing by a field goal. But last night they went the Chiefs' way, and uh, that's that's the celebration and uh, how uh, how how quickly you know history and legacies can change. Are they building statues to Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes as we speak? Um, they probably are, yeah. If they if they do, they might have a wrap around the ankle of Patrick Mahomes and <laughs> with that statue, certainly. Uh, but yeah, Andy Reid. It's just been completely different. The organization since Clark Hunt, the owner of the Chiefs, hired him back in 2013. I mean, the Chiefs' last playoff win was in 1993 before they hired Andy Reid, and now 10 years later, they've got two Super Bowls. They've been to five AFC Championship games. They've won the division seven straight years. It's just been remarkable what he's been able to do. And obviously a lot of that is with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and the most successful five-year run to begin a career that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. So those two things going together, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, it makes a a great marriage. And, um, and and yeah, I I think when it's all said and done, there'll be a couple of statues outside of Arrowhead stadium for the coach (laughs) and the quarterback when their careers are over. What is the coach like? He he fascinates me. He seems like he's everyone's favorite uncle. I mean, he, he, he's friendly at press conferences. Is he good to deal with on a week to week basis for someone like you? It's interesting. The, uh, everybody's favorite uncle is a nice way of, uh, of describing it. He is a lot, um, He's a lot more loose since the first Super Bowl. Uh, I think winning that Super Bowl did a lot for him just to just to sort of exhale, right? Yeah. I mean, he did it. He was always the coach that couldn't win the big one, the coach with game management issues, clock management issues, and that's why he was losing. But he wins that game against the 49ers four years ago, and he's been kind of different. He's joking around more. He'll get serious. There are times when you can tell he's sort of exhausted on a week and he's very short with his answers. And it's like, all right, Andy Reid, you know, we got that Andy Reid today. 
But I will say the last month or so, it's been a pretty upbeat Andy Reid. Um, now, I don't know if that then, you know, um, uh, uh, helped the Chiefs play the way that they did in the second half. But since that Super Bowl in Miami against the 49ers, he has been a um, he's he's been much more casual and willing to have fun and joke uh, in press conferences more than he has before. So uh, that's been it's been cool to see his personality come out because so many people around the NFL root for him and talk about him all the time. And yeah. really, he didn't show much personality in press conferences. That Super Bowl victory has done a lot to change how he's uh, how he interacts with with, yeah, uh, with people publicly with the media. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah, remarkable uh, performer, no question about it. The other one is Mahomes that he's with. He he's sometimes perceived or spoken as being arrogant. You, you guys would know him. Is that an unfair perception? I think so. I, I think he's uber confident. I, I I think he's really competitive as well. Um, I I've often said I think he might have been created in, in a factory or a lab, like because uh, <laughs> he's like a robot. He gets at the podium and it's like, you know, hey, what do you think about this team? Really well coached. I mean, they've got great players over there. The, 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 the coaches there have them ready to play. And, you know, we've got to come out and play our best game. You mean the team that's 0-15? Yeah, really, really good players <laughs> over there. You know, don't look at their record. Like, he's, uh, he's pretty magnanimous when it comes to other teams. But when he gets on the field that's when sort of that competitive spirit comes out. That, that's when the, you know, he was voted a couple of years ago, the fourth best player in the NFL by the NFL players, and Lamar Jackson was voted number one. Well, then they go and play the Ravens. He scores a touchdown, and as he's jogging to the sideline, he counts to four on his fingers as I'm number four, and the guy on the other side was voted number one. He was drafted 10th, and Mitch Trubisky was drafted by the Bears second, and when he played the Bears his second year as a starter – he scored a touchdown and then he counted to 10 on his fingers. Like he has sort of that, he has that Jordan mentality of look for things to, to drive him, look for slights, mm. even though people say, yeah. you know, he might be the most talented quarterback, but Jordan always looked for things and sort of kept notes. And Patrick Mahomes does that as well. And, and he uses that as motivation. So uh, I, I think he comes across as arrogant on the field um, and some of the uh, advertising and endorsements that he does with Oakley and the sunglasses, uh, I think he can come across as arrogant. But um, it's been pretty cool to see him as someone who runs his own foundation, 15 and Mahomes. He's married to his high school sweetheart. They started dating as sophomores in high school all through college. He's making, you know, he's worth $500 million in the face of the NFL and married to his high school sweetheart. They've, he's now a father of two. Um, it's, it's kind of cool to see like that guy behind the scenes grow from a rookie who's 23 and coming into the league to then, you know, five years later, he's got two kids and, you know, married now. It was just his girlfriend at the time when he got drafted by the chiefs and fiance wife and now two kids. So I think behind the scenes, he's, he's pretty low key and sort of just a family man with, um, with his family back in, in Texas. And but when the endorsements in Oakley, that's kind of the persona, right? To be cool, to be out in front, and so and I think on the field he's just an incredible competitor. Yeah, he's done well to maintain that competitive streak. Um, maybe the best in his position is Travis Kelsey. Um, what do you make of his Super Bowl? It's uh, it's remarkable what he's been able to do in his career, um, especially in the postseason. I mean, the, the fact that he's open as often as he is, he's got the second most touchdowns in the postseason behind only Jerry Rice. 
I mean, he's, he's played 18 games in the postseason, and in those 18 games, he's got, you know, 130 receptions and 1,500 yards and, mm. you know, 16 touchdowns. It's like that's a season's worth of postseason games, and it would be one of the best seasons in the history for a tight end um, and, and even a receiver, and he does that against teams in the playoffs. He's, he's, he's been amazing, and the play hasn't really dropped off as he's aged. And there mm. was a question about, you know, when he got into his 30s, when he got into 32, 33, how much would there be a drop-off? He's slower, like he's, he's you know, lost a step along the way, but his ability to find the creases in the defense, his ability to sort of be on the same page with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid allows him to get open, and, and he's still incredibly athletic for a, uh, for a tight end. He had a lot of athleticism to lose before he sort of maybe looked human on the field. Um, hey, but he's, well he's not as fast, he's not as, um, as, as quick as he used to be, but, I mean, he's still one of the most dangerous weapons an offense can have. And so he and Patrick Mahomes together is kind of like that Joe Montana, Steve Young, Jerry Rice combination yeah. that we saw in the 80s and early 90s with the 49ers. Hey, Jason, really appreciate your time. It sounds like Kansas City is about to go off in the next 24 hours, and uh, I'm certain it'll make the news over here uh, as much as it will over there. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. The parade on Wednesday should be fun. should be nice weather, which is uh, which is good. So, uh, looking forward to that coming up in uh, Thanks. Uh, you know, less than two days. Thanks for your time, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Jason Anderson, host of The Zone on 810 AM Sports Radio in Kansas City.